I'd like for you to go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read from verse number 27. We've got 55 minutes. <laughs> the gospel of Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to speak to you today on how to release your faith for miracles. Amen. Verse number 27, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him. Everyone say two blind men. Yes. Two blind men followed him crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yeah. They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be done to you. I want to say, according to your faith. Come on, say it like you mean it, according to your faith. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about in all that country. Father, we thank you for your word. The Bible says the entrance of thy word bringeth light and understanding to the simple. So, Father, we do approach your word reverently and in faith. I pray, Lord, that you would make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. I pray that every heart is receptive, every mind is alert, and the will of God is done here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want you to notice is the blind men were crying and saying, yet nothing happened. It's important you take note of that. They were crying and they were saying, yet nothing happened. My message today is to show you how to release your faith to receive a miracle. I mean, if you know that there are miracles and God does miracles. God does the impossible. My daughter celebrating 16th anniversary, 16 year, it's a miracle. You heard the story I just told. There is a way to receive from God. But we can see that these blind men were crying and were saying, yet nothing happened. Crying and, and saying does not make it happen. And that is what many do. They cry and cry. But crying never gets the job done. Let me say that again. Crying does not get the job done. If you cry, people are going to come around and feel sorry for you. But that is not what get the, gets the job done when you are dealing with God. These men were crying. And many times, people cry. I'm sure listening to me this morning, you've cried many times. Lord, why me? And sometimes when people ask the question, why me? I ask them, who should it be? <laughs> why me? Why me, Lord? See, that does not get the job done. Why me does not get the job done. Crying does not get the job done. These men were blind. They were crying. They were following Jesus. Jesus knew they were blind, yet... Nothing happened. I won't say nothing happened. 
Notice they were not crying, just, they were not just crying, they were also saying. That one said they were saying. They were crying and saying. In other words, you can say they were crying and they were praying. Because who were they talking to? They were talking to Jesus. Jesus is God. Don't shut me down, preaching good. They were crying and praying. You can say they were crying because it says they were crying and saying. What were they saying? Well, have mercy on me or have mercy on us. So when you say to God, have mercy on me, you're praying. Say, these men were crying and praying, yet nothing happened. Many of you have cried. Many of you have prayed. Yet nothing has happened. Some cried. And some cried and prayed. Some prayed. But they did not cry. Some did both. Yet nothing happened. I'm going to show you because this is important. This is what a lot of Christians are dealing with daily. This is what a lot of Christians have been dealing with for many, many years. Why is it that I'm praying yet I'm not seeing it? Why is it that I'm crying yet God is not coming to my rescue? And if people are not careful, they get to the place where they become disillusioned with God. They don't want to have anything to do with God anymore because they have concluded that this God does not want to do anything for them. And then they look at the lives of those that are seeing results. And they compare and contrast. And they wonder why they are not seeing results when their next door neighbor... Is having results, not small results, but big results. And then you ask yourself the question, what is happening to me? What's wrong with me? I'm praying and he is praying, but he is seeing results, but I'm not seeing results. Because there are things he knows and does that you probably don't know. See, God is not partial. God will not do it for Mr. A and not for Mr. B. The Bible says that God does not discriminate. If God did it for me, God can do it for you. Come on now, say a better amen to that. Listen, I am a believer in the word. I read the Bible and I see what God has done. I see what God has done in the lives of men who dared to believe. I see what God has done in the lives of women who dare to believe. And if God did it for them, then God is obligated to do it for me. Based on his word. And if I'm not seeing what they saw, if I'm not having what they had, then something is wrong in the process. And that's what I'm about to show. Because these men were crying and these men were saying. Or these men were crying and these men were praying. Yet, nothing Happened. I won't say nothing happened. My question to you this morning. Is that the case with you? Have you been crying and praying yet nothing has happened? How long will you pray for God to intervene? How long will you cry for God to answer? 
How long will you pray and cry for God to step in and do in your life what he's done in the lives of those that have seen the move of God? How long will you pray and cry? That's the first thing that I want you to notice. They were praying and they were crying, yet nothing happened. And it was not because Jesus was not listening to them. It had nothing to do with that. It had nothing to do with Jesus not being able to hear them. In actual fact, Jesus did not just hear them. Jesus saw them. Because the next thing I want you to see is that, number two, these men came before Jesus. Or you can say they were in the presence of Jesus, yet nothing happened. I wish you followed me when I read the text. Because if you followed me when I read the text, you will understand what I'm talking about today. They cried. And they said. They came into the presence of Jesus. Yet. They are still blind. I thought. If I came to church, I'll get a miracle. I thought if I came to church, the problem will automatically go. I thought if I came to church, something is going to happen. Can I tell you something today? The fact that you came does not mean things will change. As I'm preparing my notes for this lesson or for this message, I'm reminded of when Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda. The Bible says there at the pool were many sick people. And once a while, an angel would come from heaven and he would stir up the pool. And the Bible says the first person that jumps in or the first person that is thrown into the pool will receive his healing. Have you read that story in the Bible? Yeah. Now on this special day, I want to say special day. Yeah. On this very special day, somebody showed up at the pool and it was not an angel, but it was the one who made the angels. Amen. Jesus himself. When the angel came, only one person could be healed. But when Jesus comes, everyone can be healed. Amen. Jesus comes in and sees all these sick people. But he went to one man. Went to the man and asked him, do you want to be made well? The man said, when the angel shows up and stirs the pool, I've got no man to put me in. That's not the question. The question is not whether you've got somebody. The question is, do you want to be healed? And so many times people miss the question in church. Jesus is asking this and they're answering that. Do you want to be made well? I've got no man. And that shows me right there that so many come to church to see a man, but not to see the one who heals. That is why they come in 
day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out, and their lives never change. Because it is not those that have come to see a man that changes. It is those that come to encounter Jesus. Amen. Those are the only ones God is obliged to touch and to change and to give a miracle. I've got no man. Everyone had a man. Unfortunately, this man had been there for 38 years. 38 years is such a long time to be sick. 38 years is such a long time to sit there waiting for your man to throw you in. But you've got to also understand that as you are waiting for your man to throw you in the pool, many others there had their own men to throw them in. And every time they beat you to it. Jesus came. I want to say Jesus came. Jesus came. Oh, it's so weak in the back. I say, say Jesus came. Jesus came. <laughs> See, Jesus changes everything. I said, Jesus changes everything. Amen. When Jesus comes, everything will change. Amen. But it is possible for Jesus to come and you don't know it. That is why the Lord reminded me of this story. The fact that you came to church does not mean your life will change. We've seen people sit in church week after week, year after year, and yet their lives are not changed. And the question is, why are their lives not changed? Is it because God is not willing to touch them or bless them or transform their lives? No, that's not the reason. The reason is so many come to church for the wrong reason. Some come to hang out. Some come to meet a friend. Some come to check out the church. Some come to transact business. I kid you not when I tell you what I tell you. Some come to meet a friend because there is a business proposal that they're coming to deal with. You don't come to church to propose a business. You don't come to church to transact a business. You don't come to church to meet your best friend. You come to church to meet with Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of glory. That's the only person you come to meet with. And when you come to meet with Jesus, Jesus will meet with you. If you take God seriously, God will take you seriously. Some come to church, especially on Sundays, because it is the day of worship. As if Monday is not. As if Tuesday is not. Every day is the day of worship. And until we get rid of this religious mentality of Sunday is church day, we cannot see the hand of God like we should. Because Sunday, it's not just God's day, Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day is the day of worship. And that's how we must live our lives. Come on now, can someone say amen? Amen. Sunday is the day people clean up themselves before they come. But then they go out of the church on Monday, Tuesday to Friday and Saturday. They live like the devil and come on Sunday and clean up themselves before they come up. To, to the church and hoping that when God shows up on Sunday, God's going to do... Listen, if your relationship with God is not running through the week, preparing you for Sunday, you can show up on Sunday and live the same way as you came. Because our worship of God is not limited to one day of a week. 
Oh, I'm preaching better than you are responding this morning. Who have you come to see this afternoon? Praise God, it's Jesus. And if you haven't come to see Jesus, you better start making the adjustment in your mind right now. So Jesus walked into the pool of Bethesda. Guess what? He goes to this man and he asked him, do you want to be made well? And the man gave that excuse and he said, do you want to be made well? He said, pick up your mat, pick up your stretcher, pick up your bed and leave this place. Watch what happened, watch what happened, watch what happened. The man got up totally healed, picked up his bed on which he laid and walked out of the place. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? Nobody knew. Nobody noticed that right before you, a miracle has just happened. Think about this. We were not there, but think if we were part of those sick in that congregation. And this man has just been healed supernaturally without jumping into the pool. Would you not run to Jesus? Would you not say, Lord, I'm next? No, everyone had their eyes on their men. And no one had their eyes on Jesus. This man blind that came to Jesus here crying and praying. They came to the presence of Jesus, yet they were still blind. Crying and praying, don't get it done. Coming into the presence of Jesus, don't get it done. I'm sorry to tell you that. But that is the truth. Have we not believed that, well, once you come into the presence of God, everything will change? <laughs> have we not said that? Have we not believed that? But how many have come into the presence of God and nothing happened? Because God cannot change somebody who does not want to change. God don't first change on, on nobody. If you want to change, God will change you. If you don't want to change, that, listen, I'm, I'm careful when I say this. But it's, it's the fact. There's nothing God can do. If you don't want to change. How can you say there's nothing God can do? Are you belittling God? No, I'm not belittling God. The Bible says Jesus came to Nazareth. Watch this, watch this. Now listen to me. Don't look at that. Look at me. Jesus came to Nazareth and the Bible says he could not do mighty works in Nazareth because of their unbelief. Their unbelief limited the power of God. The Bible does not say he came to Nazareth and he did not do. Mighty works. No, it says he came to Nazareth and he could not do. Not he did not do. He could not do. The reason God Almighty could not do was because of their unbelief. Unbelief will stop the move of God. Unbelief will stop the power of God. Unbelief will stop the flow and the release of the anointing. 
Unbelief will stop what God wants to do in your life. You have got a part to play. And that is by releasing your faith. And that's what I'm showing you this morning. There is a way to release your faith. To receive that which God wants to do in your life. Can somebody say praise the Lord? So number two, the men came before Jesus. They were in the presence of Jesus. Nothing happened. I pray something happens to you today. <laughs> Watch this. Jesus asked them, that's number three. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe is it not interesting when you read the story of Jesus in the Bible in this three and a half years of earthly ministry that Jesus will ask those seeking a miracle questions first in many cases. When blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, who was sitting by the wayside as Jesus was coming out of Jericho, and he began to shout, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And people said, shut up, shut up, don't disturb Jesus. He kept crying. And the Bible says, Jesus stopped. And Jesus said, bring him. Everyone say, bring him. <laughs> Notice, even with blind Bartimaeus, he's screaming and he's shouting and his pleading stopped Jesus in his tracks. Yet the miracle had not happened. Bring him to me. They brought Bartimaeus to Jesus. And the blind man. I want to say blind. blind. You know when a man is blind you can know. You know the man is blind. Look it's not seen. I can imagine as Bartimaeus was coming. Jesus was somewhere there and he was going this way. They said no, no, no. Jesus is right here. Right? So they bring him to Jesus. Guess what Jesus asked him? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus, you are all wise God. You all knowing God. You know this man is blind. Why do you ask him what he wants? He had a special coat that he wore as a blind man. The Bible says when they told him to come to Jesus, he threw off the coat. So Jesus saw all this thing that was happening, right? And Jesus knew the man was blind, yet he asked him, what do you want? Mm. Because when you talk about receiving from God, there's got to be faith released through your words. Number two, you have to be specific about what you want. See, your faith does not work when you are vague. Lord, bless me. With what? You've got to say, Lord, heal me of this disease. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, heal my ear. Lord, touch my foot. You've got to be specific. Why? Because faith is released when you are specific. And sp faith is released when you speak. Amen. Say this with me. My words, my words. is my faith speaking. My faith speaking. 
Say it again. My words, my words. is my faith speaking. Say it one more time like you truly mean it. My words, my words. is my faith speaking. How do I know I have faith? By the words I speak. Listen, even with me, I, I don't know if you deal with this, but I deal with this so many times. There has been many times I'm speaking what I know God said, but my mind is fighting me. But my words is my faith speaking. And the, the, the good thing about faith is it's not in your head. That's why my mind can argue all he wants. I don't care. Faith is in the heart. Amen. I said faith is where? Faith is in the heart. Faith is not in your head. Your head is not meant for believing. Your head is meant for thinking. And some of you think too much and you think yourself out of the will of God. <laughs> Where is faith? Where is faith? So when Jesus will ask them, do you believe I can do it? He wants to hear their faith. <laughs> he wants to hear their what? See, he wants to hear their faith. And that is the major key when it comes to receiving a miracle. He still wants to hear your faith. Amen. How does he hear your faith? My God, I'm finished. You're not speaking faith. You're speaking doubt and unbelief. Don't wonder things are not working when you're talking like that. Now watch this. It does not matter how negative your mind is. Just don't say it. <laughs> oh my God. I learned this and I learned to put a God over my mouth. I can be having the greatest mental attack, but I'll never say it. Because with your mouth, you declare life or you declare death. With your words, you are justified. And with your words, you are condemned. In Mark 11, I believe it's verse 24 or 23. 23, yeah? it says... You shall have whatsoever you say. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I shall have, I shall have whatsoever, whatsoever I, say. I say. I'm a big believer in that. <laughs> I'm very careful what I say. Because I know it. The circumstance may look contrary. The circumstance may not just look contrary, the circumstance may be contrary. But I'm going to have what I say. Amen. And you know what I choose to do? Choose to, choose to 
believe the truth over the fact. The fact is your body is feeling pain. But the truth is you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. <laughs> my God, I don't know who I'm preaching to today. I'm kind of, am I preaching or teaching or just telling the truth? <laughs> the fact is you don't have any money in your bank account. But the truth is he's blessed you with all spiritual blessings Amen. in heavenly places in Christ. Amen. The truth is God makes all grace, every favor. An earthly blessing come to you in abundance that you always, I want to say always, always, having all sufficiency in all things will have an abundance for every good work. The fact is, your life seems to be going in a direction that you don't want. But the truth of the matter is, I know the thought I have for you. <laughs> Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give unto you a future and a hope. Can someone say amen? amen. Say with me, I believe the truth. Do you believe I can do this? This is a very important question. Because your faith is released with the words you say. Because faith is in your heart and it comes out of your mouth. The Bible says with the heart. Man believes unto righteousness with the mouth. Confession is made unto what? Salvation. You see, the word salvation there is sozo. Now, it's not just salvation with regards to being born again. It's salvation with healing. It's salvation with prosperity. It's salvation with with your homes. It's salvation with everything that concerns your life is saved. So we can say with the, with the heart man believeth unto, yeah? unto righteousness with the heart. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation of any kind. So the salvation that you are believing for is what needs to come out of your mouth. You're getting this thing the way it works. The salvation you are believing for is what needs to come out of your mouth. That is the reason why you notice so many are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Yet, they're failing many other areas of life. Because they have limited salvation to just being saved and sanctified. But it covers every area. I say it covers every area. You don't have to walk around sick. You don't have to walk around broke. You don't have to walk around depressed. Come on now, say praise God. Praise God. So faith has got to come out of you. 
So Jesus asked him, do you believe I can do this? Listen, listen, listen to me. A lot of times, even in ministry, we as preachers are so quick to lay hands on praying over people. We don't even know where their face is. Pastor, I have a need. Come, I'll pray for you. Oh, Lord, I pray, blah, blah, blah. And you finish praying and nothing happens. Notice Jesus didn't do what we do. <laughs> when I say we, I, I'm just trying to be general so that it does not seem like I'm attacking some people. <laughs> Jesus didn't do what a lot of people do. Jesus asked questions. What do you want? Lord, I'm blind. Okay. You want to see. What, what kind of question is that? <laughs> what does a blind man want? What does a deaf man want? What does a dumb man want? But Jesus would ask, what do you want? Some of you, no, not you, some of those that are not here, they would get upset if Jesus asked them that question. No, no, now I know, you know, when it's Jesus, people don't get upset. But if your pastor asked you, <laughs> Pastor, can you not see? Can't you see that? Can't you see the way I walked into your office? Why are you asking me what I want? Jesus wasn't asking to identify the problem. He knew what the problem was. He was asking for the interest of the man. Can someone say amen? amen? So when he asked these men, these blind men, do you believe back in our text? Do you believe that I can do this? Number four, the men responded, yes, Lord. They responded. They responded. They responded. Say they responded. They said, yes, Lord. We believe you can do it. Now, <laughs> faith is in your heart. Faith is not mental assent. Let me say that again. You know, a lot of people say, for instance, watch this now. I sit on this because I have faith on the seat. No. Listen, you can't you can use this to illustrate faith. I sit on this because I know it's strong. Somebody made it well. It has nothing to do with faith. Faith is not involved here. I don't need faith to sit here. Faith is not logic. Faith is not mental belief. Do you believe that if you sit on that seat, you won't fall? Yeah, I believe. But I don't have faith in it. Faith is deeper than this. So you can mentally accept something does not mean you have faith. <laughs> it 
Faith is at a whole different level. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us what faith is. Now faith is. Everyone say now faith is. Notice faith is not yesterday. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is not in the future. Faith is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Things to come exactly. Faith is because hope is what? Good expectation. That's what hope is. Hope is expecting something good to happen. But what does faith do? Faith brings the future to now. So I'm no more living in the arena of hope. I'm now living in the realm of faith. Because as long as you keep hoping, you will keep having, having great feelings about the future. But when you come into tomorrow, you, you have tomorrow again. You know, tomorrow produces another tomorrow. Is that correct? That you come into tomorrow, there's going to be another tomorrow. You come into tomorrow, there's going to be another tomorrow. You come into, you, you're always going to have hope. Because hope is good expectation. I'm expecting something good to happen. But faith is not hope. Faith is the substance of what you hope for. So what faith does is faith brings that to now. Even though you haven't touched it with your physical hands. But your faith has touched it in the spirit. And people would ask you, why are you like that? Why do you talk like that? Why are you disposed like that to life? Because my faith has touched it. You know the Bible that talks about Abraham did not stagger in unbelief. Rather, he kept giving thanks. The Bible says he was persuaded that what God had said, God was able to do. Watch this. Abraham was not giving God praise in anticipation of what he was going to receive. Abraham was giving God faith because he knew God had done it. Because the Bible says God called those things that be not as though they were. That's past tense right there. God called those things that be not as though they were. So Abraham was giving God thanks. Not just because he had an expectation of having Isaac the promise. But because he knew that God had done what God said he was going to do. Amen. See, that's faith. Faith is not hoping to get it. Faith is, I have it now. Amen. I receive it now. Amen. And yes, there's going to be a season before the manifestation of what you receive. But faith grabs it in the spirit. Can someone say amen? amen. So now faith is the substance. What's the substance? What is the substance? What is the substance? Faith is the substance. Oh God. Notice it's so easy. Now faith is the substance. The thing is not the substance. Faith is the substance. Faith is the substance of this. I'm hoping for, a, for, a, for an amplified Bible. Faith is the substance. The Amplified Bible is not the substance. I haven't seen it, but my faith is the substance Amen. of the Bible. Amen. 
What's a substance? Great. But when you say something is a substance, it means something is tangible. Something you can touch. Something you can feel. Now, we don't touch with our naked uh, physical hands or see with our naked eyes or hear with our physical ears because these are your five physical senses. When it comes to faith, there is a whole different level above your five physical senses. And those that have received the healing, those that have received deliverance, those that have received the breakthrough did not see it the day they saw it. They saw it the day they received it. Oh, my God. Let me say that again. Those that have received healing in their bodies, those that have received the deliverance, those that have received the breakthrough, did not see it the day they saw it. They saw it the day they received it. Oh, some people are sleeping here today. My God, I pray somebody grab a hold of this. Listen, you're waiting to see it before you believe it. And God does not work that way. God says, believe me and I'll show you. So those that have received the deliverance did not receive their deliverance the day they experienced it. They received their deliverance the day they believed it. I remember the day I got saved. Lifted my hands, gave my life to Jesus. And then you discover you can't talk the way you used to talk. Correct? You begin to see the manifestation of what happened as you stood in front of the altar. And it just begins to play out in your life. But when did the change happen? The day I received salvation. When do you get healed? The day you receive healing. I remember this many years ago. I went out to visit with a family. And I got into this family. Uh, the young man, Nigerian, was married to a Turkish lady. When we got in there, their baby was celebrating the, uh, her birthday. And so they told me that, oh, our sister is sick, lying in, in bed in one of the rooms. So I said, okay, can I go pray for her? So I went into the room with her brother. We got into the room, so there she was lying on the bed. She was so sick. And uh, before I prayed for her, I reminded her of what the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 24. Who his own self bear our sin in his own body. That we being dead to sin might live on the righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And so I remain, reminded her of the scripture and I asked her the question. I said, we're healed. It's past, present, or future tense. She looked at me. She said, it's past tense. I said, so if it is past tense, it means you were healed. So if you were healed, what are you doing lying here sick? She looked, she got the message. See, we can recite scriptures, but it's not about reciting scriptures. It's about knowing scripture. The Bible does not say ability to recite scripture will set you free. The Bible says you shall know the truth. The truth you know will set you free. A lot of people recite verses, but have no revelation of what they recite. 
And you may have heard me say this over and over again. Oh, the same old story. The same old story. But the question is, when you fall sick, have you applied it? Or the first thing that came to your mind is to run to the doctor. I'm not against running to doctors. But I'm just saying. Because unfortunately, you, you, have, a, you have people in the church today that is, that is so knowledgeable. But I've got no experience. Your faith grows as you experience God's word. Your faith don't grow because you fill your head with, with scriptures. I grew up memorizing scriptures. And we had debates and we had memory verse. Uh, I mean, I was in Sunday school. Every Sunday school, we had to memorize a verse. I started from the age of 14, 13, 14. So every Sunday, your Sunday school teacher asks you to memorize a verse for the Sunday. Everybody had to memorize. But you don't, your faith, your faith, your faith grows by experience, not by memorizing verses. And people have a lot of memory verses. But their life does not seem to um, display the verses. I said to the young lady, if you were healed, why are you still lying here? You see, she got the message. Everyone says she got the message. See, that's what is important. If you don't get the message, you don't get it. It, flied, it will fly over your head. She got the message. And when I looked in her eyes and I saw faith, everyone say, I saw faith. You know you can see faith? You know you can see faith in someone's eyes? I said, give me your hand. She gave me a hand. I picked her up. I said, come with me. I took her from the room and took her into the living room. All this while, she was still in pain. Nothing has changed. We sat there celebrating the birthday of... Uh, the child of the owner of the house, as we're celebrating, about 30 minutes later, she said, uh, Pastor, I'm healed. The pain is all gone. I don't feel the way I felt. Was I excited? Not really. So my question is this. When was she healed? Pardon? No. No. Thank you very much. That's when she was healed. She was healed when Jesus paid the price. She wasn't healed the day I went in there. She was healed when Jesus... The, listen to what he says. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body, that we being dead to sin might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Not you 
will be healed. Ye were healed. So the right answer is she was healed when Jesus took the stripes on his body. When did she receive it? Pardon? When she believed, when I said to her, if you were healed, why are you still here? Her eyes popped open. Oh, I see it. That is faith. That is faith. Because faith only comes by hearing the word. When she heard it and she saw it, faith exploded in her spirit. And she said, yeah, Jesus did it. If Jesus did it, then it's wrong for me to be here. And she got up. But she did not feel the impact immediately. It took about 30 minutes. And all the symptoms left her. Can I tell you? If you can only believe. Everything that has plagued your life. Will eventually leave you. <laughs> I have learned not to repeat prayers. I have learned to pray in faith and believe I receive and expect the manifestation. Because God keeps his word. I say God keeps his word. Now, I know that I've just used the example of someone who was sick. But this example will affect every other area of your life. Because it is not just about sickness. It's also about your finance. It's also about your family. It's also about your marriage. It's also about your children. It's also about your business. It covers every area of your life because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, I want to say evidence, evidence. of things not seen. Pastor, when is my wife coming? When is my husband coming? Bible says faith is the evidence of things not seen. That was the evidence. Now, see, I can I can have faith, but my faith will not work for you. Most times. And that's so true. Now watch this. The next thing that happened. Because what I just said is important. They said yes Lord we believe you can do it. You know what Jesus said to them? Jesus said to these two blind men. Be it done unto you. According to my faith. No. According to your faith. Listen guys. It's always according to your faith. Always according to your faith. Always according to your faith. We, we see exceptional cases in the Bible where it was done according to someone else's faith. But those are exceptional cases. We don't, make, we don't build a doctrine on exceptional cases. It's always on your faith. Can someone say amen? amen. Be done unto you according to your faith. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, sometimes I pray over people. And when I tell you this, I tell you this with all of my heart. I don't feel any anointing. And that's not to say the anointing is 
has left, but sometimes I don't feel any anointing. I, I don't feel it. Because it's not about feeling. It's about faith. And a lot of people are waiting to feel. If you don't feel it, it hasn't happened. God don't go by your feelings. Don't relegate the word of God to feelings. Don't, don't confine God's word to you the way you feel. I don't feel. And that's the reason why some people don't forgive. Because they don't feel like. That's why some people don't say I'm sorry. Because they don't feel like saying I'm sorry. When, when our brother, this was about two months ago, Brother Dovran had his wedding, and we were there, a lady walked up to my wife and I and, and to say thank you. She was brought here, uh, I guess it was about two years ago, to the Turkish service. And uh, first time in church, she had cancer. They brought her here, and they said, Pastor, can you pray for her? And they brought her up here to the front. I didn't even know at the time she was wearing a wig because her hair had fallen out. And she came over here. I laid my hands on her, and I prayed, and she fell right over here under the power of God. And these words came out of my mouth, and I've said this many times, and I say it in faith. When you get up, you will never be the same again. <laughs> Not because I felt goosebumps. But I just said, when you get up, you'll never be the same again. And I want you to go back to your doctor, and he will give you a clean medical report. The lady left, went back home. I don't know whether she didn't hear what I said. She didn't go to the doctor. Seven months later, she noticed her hair began to grow back. She, she goes to the doctor. The doctor checked her out and looked and all the trace of cancer had gone. Amen. Two months ago, when we were at the wedding, they brought her. I didn't even know, I didn't know her because I saw her just one time. She never came back to church. They brought her to me and they said, Pastor, this is the lady you prayed for. She came to say thank you. I took a picture, me and my wife took a picture with her. And, and, and they pulled her hair to show me this is not a wig. Our hair had grown back beautifully. Totally healed, totally set free, <coughs> totally delivered by the power of God. By the power of God. By the power. When did she receive a healing? No. You, got, you didn't get my question. When did she receive a healing? When I spoke over her. When was she healed? When Jesus paid the price. If you are able to see this, this will help you with regards to anything you're believing for. What Jesus took for you and I on the cross provided for all we need in life and godliness. There is nothing missing in the sacrifice. It was a perfect sacrifice. It was a perfect exchange. He took my place and he gave me his place. See, that's the gospel. I said, that's the gospel. Amen. Do you believe? I believe. Now take it. That's the gospel, my friends. Can someone say amen? amen. And today, 
Whatever issue believing for. I know we don't have a lot of time. But we're going on a three-day prayer and fasting. Please be a part of it. When you finish with this three-day prayer and fasting, I am sure that things would have turned around. Your life will never ever be the same again.